0: Good morning and welcome. My name is Jeff Schoen. I serve you as the Vice President for Student Life at Martin Luther College in New Ulm, Minnesota. And it is a privilege to be with you here uh, today. I have always enjoyed coming and and leading worship here in Fairmont. It's been a real pleasure to be with you, and and it will be today, I know. We're going to use the order of service uh, called the service of the word. It begins on page 38 in the front portion of our hymnals. And let's begin today on this Transfiguration Sunday when we recall that event in the ministry and life of our Lord where he took three of his disciples up to a mountaintop and he was transfigured before them. He changed his appearance. And, and the focus of this Sunday is always on the great glory of God, the great glory of our Lord Jesus, which He showed in invis- visible form to His disciples that day. So, we'll begin our worship then with an, uh, a, a song about the Transfiguration, hymn number 95. Mm-hmm. Of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you. And also with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve Him as His dear children. But we have disobeyed Him and deserve only His wrath and punishment. Therefore, Let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me
1: according to your unfailing
0: love cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sins. By the perfect life and the innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has removed your guilt forever. You are His own dear child. May God give you strength now to live according to his will. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Lord God, before the suffering and death of your one and only Son, you revealed his glory on the holy mountain. Grant that we who bear his cross on earth may behold by faith the light of his heavenly glory and so be changed into his likeness through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our first lesson from the scriptures on this Transfiguration Sunday is an account from the life of two of God's most powerful prophets, Elijah and Elisha. This happens to be the account in 2 Kings chapter 1 of the transition God makes between Elijah, who he will take to heaven, and Elisha. Now why are we reading this amazing account on Transfiguration Sunday? Because there on the mountaintop, Jesus spoke with two of God's Old Testament prophets. There, alive with him, Moses and Elijah. So we listen today. 2 Kings chapter 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah was traveling with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets, and I think you should understand, these were... People who were studying, perhaps, to be servants of the Lord and prophets of the Lord. The sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? Then he said, Yes, I know, be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, Stay here, because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. There, the sons of the prophets who were in Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord is taking your master away from you? He said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, because the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As surely as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went down. Then fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood and watched them from a distance. While the two of them were standing at the Jordan, Elijah took his cloak Folded it together and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left. Then the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask me for whatever I can do for you before I am taken from you. Then Elisha said, Let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. He said, You have asked for a difficult thing. If you see me me being taken from you, it will surely be yours. But if not, then it will not. While they were walking and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire and the horses of fire came and separated them. So Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind Elisha was watching and crying out, My father, my father, Israel's chariot and its charioteers. Then he did not see him anymore. Here ends our Old Testament blessing. Our psalm for the day is Psalm 148, and we find that on page 121 in the front portion of our hymn. Mm. this day is recorded in Paul's second letter to the congregation at Corinth chapter 4 verses 3 through 6 the glory of God, what is it? Paul explains that the great, bright, shining glory of God is in Jesus Christ let's put it another way God's great glory is in the saving of sinners, which He accomplishes through His Son, our Lord Jesus. And the message then of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, that message of the Gospel, is a glorious one. In fact, it is the bright light of truth and knowledge And wisdom that shines in this dark world of sin. Paul speaks in these ways today to us. He says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled among those who are perishing. In the case of those people, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from clearly seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is God's image. Indeed, we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the God who said light will shine out of darkness is the same one who made light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Hallelujah. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His clothes became radiant, dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. And Elijah appeared to them together with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were terrified. A cloud appeared and overshadowed them. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, When they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. As we sing the hymn of the day, Down from the Mount of Glory, number 97. Son, our glorious Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's words for us to consider on this Transfiguration Sunday are an account that I believe is very familiar to you, an account from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Jesus calming the waters and the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Then he got into the boat. And his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, And rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is God's word for us today. Dear friends in Christ, I want to start out our meditation today by telling you something very, very profound. Christians are like salad dressing. Pretty deep, isn't that? What do I mean by that? They are made up of two components that really don't mix. Think about it, in the simplest kind of salad dressing you take a bowl and you put in some oil and then you splash in some vinegar and you whip and (laughs) stir that oil and vinegar up and it will combine in a certain way but you know what, the oil and the vinegar stay separated. They just do not mix together. And that's what a Christian heart is like too. A Christian heart is a kind of a bowl in which you'll find a portion of faith, but also a portion of fear. And the two... Do not mix. They do not go together. Faith is incongruent with fear. Faith and fear, as I said, do not go together. But they do exist together in our hearts, sad to say. And so the goal really is not simply to accept this sad situation. And the goal is not to be satisfied with this unhappy condition of our Christian hearts. No, the goal is to fill up our hearts with the healthy oil of faith and to push out of our hearts That bitter vinegar of fear. Isn't this the lesson that Jesus wanted his disciples to learn as they sailed across the Sea of Galilee in that little boat? And it was a difficult lesson because lessons intended for the heart and for the will and for the soul... Can rarely be learned outside of the classroom of experience. You see, it's one thing to know, to know intellectually, I do not need to be afraid. But it's quite another thing to learn to push fear out of our lives. Wouldn't you agree? And so the classroom for this lesson is a little boat on the Sea of Galilee. And the circumstance is a violent, violent windstorm. And I suspect that all of us here living on the plains of Minnesota understand and have felt the dangerous force of the wind as a storm fl- front blows through, it is not a comfortable feeling to face gale force winds even when you're standing on terra firma, right? On solid ground. Imagine how alarming and how dangerous to be on a small boat. In the middle of a very large lake, as the wind piles up the water into walls of smashing force, this was the classroom that was prepared for Jesus' disciples. And how did they do in that classroom? How was their learning? Their growing? They didn't do very well. They allowed fear to fill up their hearts and push out their faith so that Jesus himself has to speak to them and address them in this way. He says, you are men of little faith but abundant fear. What went wrong? You know, it would be very easy for all of us here today to point our fingers at the disciples and say, you know, they should have remained strong in their faith. Wasn't Jesus right there with them in that boat? Be easy for us to criticize them in that way. But, but, uh, I think we don't want to follow that line of thought because that accusing finger is going to turn right around. Why? Why? Isn't isn't Jesus in every boat? Isn't Jesus a passenger in every car and truck? Doesn't Jesus have a seat on every plane? Isn't it Jesus who stands over your bed? every night? Yes. The problem with the disciples' faith was a kind of awful nearsightedness. They determined that their safety and their security and their well-being depended upon their outward circumstances. And they did not rest their safety or their vigor or their life upon the sure promises of their great God. And so it happened that their powerful God and Savior was right there with them in the boat, and yet they were still overcome by their fears. They did not hold on to the promises of God, the promises He makes to hold on to their very lives forever. Instead, all that they could think about, all that they could see, were waves crashing and smashing and destroying their bodies and their lives. And so, in that, what should I say, salad bowl of the disciples' hearts, Fear was allowed to push out faith. Now, question for us. Have we learned the lesson? Have we learned to push fear out of our hearts and lives? I can ask that question in another way. Make it a little more pertinent, perhaps. In your heart of hearts, and you will know this, in your heart of hearts, do you rest your own safety and security and life upon outward circumstances? Does your confidence rest upon the fact that your days and months seem to be operating rather smoothly? Do you rest your security on the successes that you meet in life or on the accomplishments and achievements which come your way in life or on the expectations that you have for the course which your life will run? Does your security, your safety, do you think it rests on the fact That your life seems to be running right on schedule. If this is the way that you or I think, and we often do think that way, then God says, watch out. Because smooth days can easily become rough and painful ones. And success can easily fizzle and fade away. And accomplishment and achievement can easily switch around into failures. And lives that seem to be running right on schedule can easily be derailed and run aground. Let me give you an example a very serious example of what I'm talking about. I did some research the other day, and I'll tell you what I found. Here's what I discovered. If you are a woman, the probability that you will contract cancer in your lifetime is one out of three. If you are a man, that probability rises. To one out of two. So think about that. Do a little exercise if you want today. Look around. The wind and the waves are going to rock every other man here, according to statistics. And every third woman here in this church building today, when the doctor calls and he says, your test results have come back. And it shows you have cancer. What will the state of your heart be on that day? And in those outward circumstances... My dear friends, fear does not need to fill our hearts. And it does not need to push away our faith and our confidence in the Lord. Don't let your faith rest on outward circumstances, but let it rest solidly and securely. Only and solely on the words and promises of God. And if you were to look all through the scriptures, you could maybe summarize all of those words and promises from our God in this way. First, the Lord is good and he wants your good and welfare. Secondly, the Lord is powerful. And he works powerfully for you. Finally, the Lord loves you with an unfailing love. And has demonstrated his unfailing love for you in Christ Jesus, who died for you, and rose again. And so Jesus says, as he does in our text to the disciples in that book, he says to you and me regularly and often, do not be afraid. He tells us, for example, through the prophet Isaiah, so do not fear, for I am with you, Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or he says through Isaiah another time. Now, this is what the Lord says He who created you, he who formed you, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, troubles, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Dear friends, vinegar and oil do not mix, faith and fear do not mix. Specifically, the fear of punishment does not mix with the faith that we have in God's forgiveness. won for us on a cross and accomplished by Jesus. And the fear of death does not mix with the promise of Jesus' resurrection. Where he says to you and me, because I live, you also will live. These things do not mix. And they cannot be peaceful neighbors in our hearts. So we hold onto Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give fear the boot. Now, maybe you're wondering. How is this a good message for us on Transfiguration Sunday when we want to see and look at the great glory of of our Lord Jesus? I mentioned before, what exactly is this concept that the Bible talks about so often? The glory of God. And I mentioned, if you recall, that that the, the great glory of God is in his saving of sinners. So here on Transfiguration Sunday, there is Jesus transfigured before the disciples and he's speaking with Moses and Elijah. And in another gospel account, it says he's speaking about his departure, which was soon to take place in Jerusalem. He's speaking about his death for the sin of the world. And as he does so, he's in glory. Or think of another account that you know very well, the Christmas account. The angels appear in the glory of God, bright and shining. And what are they saying? They're singing that a Savior has been born. In the Old Testament, perhaps the account that you can remember most vividly is Moses and on a mountaintop he sees a bush that is burning brightly but is yet not consumed by the fire. It is the glory of God shown in a visible way. And what does God tell Moses? He is about To redeem, he says, his people Israel from their harsh slavery in Egypt as a type and a figure and a picture of the greater redemption that God would provide for all people from the harsh slavery to sin and death and hell through Jesus Christ. And when God also, through His Son, delivers us now from our fears and worries and concerns in the conditions we face in this sinful world, that is God's glory. And when He saves us through His Son, Jesus, on the very day of our death, and delivers us to peace and joy and sinless life. That is God's glory. So today, my encouragement to you is to focus on this glory of God that through Jesus Christ, the Lord saves you. And now the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding even. Keep your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's rise and take this opportunity to confess our faith in Christ and do so using the words of the Apostles' Creed. It's printed for us on page 41 in the front portion of our hymn. and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated as we worship the Lord by bringing our gifts and offerings to Him. in the front of our hymnals, the prayer for the church. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. We are not worthy of all the mercies you show us. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. We thank you for those who teach and preach your saving truth at this place for Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe. Terrors of crime and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. You who are sick, you who are sad, calm those who are distressed, and comfort all who are old and infirm. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being.
1: Grant
0: blessings to every nation on earth, where there are wars, may there be peace; where there is hatred, let there be love; where there is poverty, danger, or disaster. We come to you today on behalf of our dear brother Bob Olin. He is in a care facility, and we ask that you would heal him. And if it is your will, help him, uh, help to restore in him his full kidney function. And in this same way, Lord. We ask you to protect his body and mind and heart and to do what you promise according to your word and push fear away from him, out of his heart and mind, so that it no longer affects his life. You are his dear Savior, and you hold him and his life and everything in your hands. Grant him comfort and satisfaction in your safe salvation. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions now. bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus our Lord, and we ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. We give ourselves to you, that we may serve you in every way is pleasing in your sight. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What? Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, right? as we forgive those okay, who trespass against us. And give us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us that one's evening, mind, and on
1: the power, as and the
0: Please be seated as we continue with hymn number seven hundred and twelve. Jesus take us to the vault. When we next gather for worship, it will be Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent. On that day, we will begin our solemn journey to the Savior's cross. While the joy of faith remains undiminished throughout the year, our rejoicing during Lent is muted and quiet. For centuries, therefore, the Christian Church has omitted its most jubilant songs During this season, including the word Alleluia, which means praise the Lord. You will notice that during this time of Lent, our worship will omit its normal Alleluia. We do this to prepare ourselves for the quieter days of Lent. The Alleluias will return on Easter dawn as we gather to shout our praise to the risen Lord. We bow our heads in prayer. O oh Lord God, our heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation. And bestow on us your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, serve one another, and honor the Lord with gladness in your heart. The Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, the Lord look on you with favor and grant you his peace. Our closing hymn is printed on the bulletin insert today. special announcements other than that Bible class will be held today at its normal time and we're going to go through Genesis chapter 6. Is there anything else that uh, the congregation needs to hear about? No? Everyone is completely in the know? That's That's good. God's care and blessing on you all through this week.
1: Jerusalem, the goal. Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, www.shepherdofthelakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archives section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 East 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day.